the two pictures that I realized uh, during the song that I forgot um, just relate also to uh, some new opportunities we were able to have. Um, one was the Kids Life Bible Club fundraiser dinner, and uh, it was fun to see it kind of set up for more of a banquet-style event out there. Um, so everything from banquets to our potluck next week. Um, and the other uh, use that we had just last, last Friday, two Fridays ago, um, was the North Holland Elementary School Carnival. Um, and to see many of our neighbors from across the street, um, that some of them are in Bible clubs, some are Kids Hope students, but some have no other connection to this space. Um, and yet, here we got to host it this year while they were under construction um, to just get to rub shoulders with our neighbors and to, to be with them and, and welcome them uh, to North Holland. So we give thanks to God for that as well. Um, Amazing how something like slides can throw us off, and uh, some of what we had in our mind eludes us, and to me why it's such a comfort to come to Scripture today, um, to go to John chapter 21, words that are there for us, words that are consistent, and to hear the words of our Savior that are waiting for us, um, that Jesus longs to speak to us, and that we long to to read the Word in such a way that it's fresh and new today, that in the passage that we read in John chapter 21, the last five verses, 20 through 25, as we read, those, as we read that passage today, we think about last week where, where Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Then follow me. And now we come to this section where, you know, Simon, son of John, what is that to you? Follow me. So in John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25, we, we hear these words of Jesus, for, spoken from Jesus to Peter. And yet today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that, that we can hear those words of Jesus as if they were being spoken to us for the ways in which they can convict and encourage us here and now. So as we read John 21, 20 through 25 together, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. God, you are faithful beyond measure. You do not fail us or leave us or forsake us, but you promise to be with us always to the very end of the age. Lord, be with us now in this moment as we read your word together as we seek to attune our hearts to your purposes for our lives, as we hear comfort and a challenge, and all of this knowing that your love for us extends from generation to generation. So in these weeks after Easter, as we, as we ponder and focus on your resurrection and the hope that that gives us, that we may live with hope, grace, and love, Illumine your word to us, that we may find hope, grace, and love in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. John, chapter 21, beginning at verse 20. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive, 
Until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been pleased with an accomplishment that you had until someone else came alongside of you and did just a little bit better? And maybe it got you a hair jealous in your heart. Maybe it was a race that you ran um, where someone beat you by just a little bit. Um, Maybe it's a little bit more recognition that someone got that you didn't. And this can be among people that we're really competitive with and maybe don't have a relationship with, but this also can happen uh, within families. And to speak from some experience, I would say this can even happen within marriages. Tomorrow is graduation for Western Theological Seminary, and so we celebrate at 7.30 at Dimnant Chapel, and uh, this, this year we, we get a, a two-for-one for attendance that uh, we rejoice with Nathan Longfield as he graduates and Caitlin DeVries as she graduates. Now, one thing that's in the graduation programs are the, the distinguished award uh, recognition. When I was a first-year seminary student, I got the Greek award for New Testament exegetical excellence, which really just means I took Greek in college and had a head start. But I got an award for it anyway. When I was a senior... I got um, the President's Community Service Award, which still, when you say community service, it's like, what did I do wrong that I had to like do service hours to make up for it? It always kind of rang funny to me. The only thing I remember doing specifically wrong that could have earned me community service in seminary was the day that I dressed up as Robin Hood for Halloween and brought my recurve bow to seminary, which went over surprisingly well. Um, The academic dean told me that we do have a gun policy, but not a bow and arrow policy, so you can have it here. Dr. Leanne Van Dyke was a great friend. The awards that I won made me feel kind of good. I felt good about my accomplishments, even if it was maybe a head start from college or or maybe just seemed to happen. And then uh, after I graduated, was installed here, uh, then Caitlin uh, started seminary that following fall. And wouldn't you know, after that first year, she also won the New Testament Greek Award for Exegetical Excellence. So, you know, we're tied. But that year, she also won the Church History Award. So I thought, okay, it took me three years to get two awards. She got two awards in one year. And she deserved the Church History Award because she would tell me, Stephen, I noticed that the underlining stopped after chapter three in your church history books. I said, yes, because Dr. Voskel gave all the quiz answers during the lecture. And then, so I thought we were tied. I thought Caitlin and I were on the same, same level. Foolish thought. 
Because then the next year, she won the Hebrew Award for Old Testament exegetical excellence. And I was like, all right, fine. For it to be a competition, both parties have to be able to compete. So I'm out of this one. And then this past year, well, Nathan won the Ethics Award, I believe, and Caitlin won one more award on top of that. So she also won the Frederick Buechner um, Excellence in Theological Writing Award. So you know who the better student is. You know what awards can make us feel good until someone else is getting the same ones. And then I'm kind of like... Why are you so much better than me? (laughs) Isn't it funny how we can be so pleased with our accomplishments until someone else alongside of us seems to do the same or a little bit better? And and it makes us this special kind of jealous and, and mostly just in friendly competition between Caitlin and I. But we experience this in other places, don't we? Where that little bit of coveting comes out that it might be a coworker who seems to get a little bit more recognition than us. It might be, um, if you're a business owner, someone else in the same trade who, who always just seems to be doing a little bit better. If you're in school, it might be a classmate who seems to study less and get higher grades than you for, more, for less effort. Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved who for today we'll just for shorthand refer to as John. And there's a whole discussion we could have about that afterwards. But we'll just call them Peter and John for today. Peter and John also seem to have this similar back and forth. If we remember that first Easter morning, there is a race to the tomb. And, and, it, and it's funny how, how each person gets a little bit of credit that they raced. And, and, and John got there first, but then Peter went into the tomb first. It's kind of like, the author of the Gospel of John is trying to give us some clues that that they're both okay, they're both good, they're both good disciples. But there's this little bit of almost competitive tension, partly maybe coming from Peter still just recently being reinstated by Jesus as we looked at last week after the denial. Peter and John seem to have this back and forth going, though, and so just after, after Jesus has said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Then you must follow me. Then in verse 20, where we picked up today, Peter turns around and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And he doesn't think, I'm a disciple, he's a disciple, we're all in good company. His question right away for Jesus is, Lord, what about him? Peter's attention immediately turns towards this other disciple. He's not any longer talking about the reinstatement of feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. His preoccupation becomes with his friend, his fellow disciple, whom he once lost a foot race to, who he's been alongside of for years of following Jesus. And in this moment, the comparison seems to creep out. The focus on someone else instead of Jesus seems to take over. Our hearts do the very same thing today. And Jesus' response to this question of Peter, what about him? In no fewer words says, don't worry about him. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return... Essentially, if I want him to be immortal until the end of all time when I come and make all things new, 
What is that to you? What is that to you, Peter? Are you so worried about that other disciple that you're missing the boat of what I have called you to do? Are you worried that he's going to outdo you, that, well, he didn't betray Jesus the way Peter did? But Peter betrayed Jesus because he stayed close enough. All the other disciples were afraid. They, they scattered and ran and hid. But the comparison still remains. That we have to make up for maybe some of our own insecurities and fear by comparing ourselves to others. And yet Jesus asks the type of questions like, if I do great things through him, if I perform miracles and signs of the kingdom through him, what is that to you? If the world thinks more highly of that disciple than of you, but you know that I love you both the same, then what is that to you? If they get recognition, or you feel that they outdid your, if they outdid you, but you know what you've done, and you know that I know, then what is that to you? Essentially, Jesus is reminding Peter, and subsequently all of us, that we needn't worry about how God will use other people. Our first priority is the faithfulness by which we pay attention to how God can use us. What is that to you? You must follow me. What's this comparison and contrast and competition really matter in the end if you're being faithful to me and if he's being faithful to me and if she's being faithful to me? I want your faithfulness, not your competition with one another. We do this individually. We want to be good. Maybe we want to show up as the most competent person in the room. Maybe we just want to be recognized as being successful. Maybe we want our parents to recognize that, that we've done well too. In all of this, that same question echoes from Jesus. What is that to you? You must follow me. We do this individually. We can also do this communally. There's a lot of churches in our area, and there's churches throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. And sometimes when we see the success of one other person or another congregation or, or recognition of what they're doing well, we get that same mindset that Peter had. We can think about that other church, that, that they do that cool thing, or, or they offer that particular program that's valuable, or, or they have a, a great budget that they're somehow up to date on. They have this, they have that. They're getting all these new people because they're doing this. When we get into this game of endless comparison and contrast and trying to find our value by comparison, I hope that we hear this echo of Jesus in our soul. What is that to you, North Holland? You must follow me. Don't try to make yourself in someone's image to compete with them. Make yourself more and more in my image. Faithfulness in following is what Jesus is asking from Peter in taking care of his lambs and feeding his sheep and in not worrying about that other disciple that was following them along the way. 
Churches had this even back as early as the New Testament days, which Aaron read to us um, in the Confession and Assurance. When there's, when there's different people saying, well, I matter because, because I was a follower of, of Peter or Apollos or Paul. And Peter and Apollos and Paul would all agree, none of that matters. Jesus is what matters most. That, that Jesus is what needs to matter the most to you. Not, not who you learned about Jesus from, but Jesus himself. And in some way for Peter, Apollos, and Paul, that they would also say, Jesus matters more to us than you matter to us. Because Jesus is what is the most important to us. And that we want to share the gospel. We want to be people of good news. We want to be faithful disciples of Christ. But what matters most to us is the faithful following, not the comparison of results. Because not all results do we get to see on this side of heaven. You see, we're all on the same team. But it's easy to forget that. We can get a little bit jealous. We can covet. Our own insecurities can get stirred up. We want to cover up some of our own past failures by trying to put up our successes a little bit higher. Our fear, some of our longings get tied up into this. But we forget then that we're all on the same team. That this isn't meant to be a competition of faithfulness, but our own growing in faithfulness and our mutual growing of faithfulness is listening to the Holy Spirit together as one body, as one congregation. And then we can rejoice with, with our friends both here and throughout the world who are doing great things for Christ's kingdom. We can rejoice for them. We can pray for them. We can celebrate with them. Because our focus is then on how are we also following Christ. What is all of what they do to you? You must follow me. And remain faithful. This can happen, this comparison can creep in among coworkers or siblings comparing one another. This can happen among children or it can happen with parents. I think one reality is, is that most parents are just trying to figure out how to do this as we go. And there's a temptation to judge other parents. There's also a temptation to judge other people's children. Maybe sometimes because of our own insecurities about, are we doing this right? Are we raising our kids right? Are we making all the right choices? All of the overwhelming decisions can make us question things. And we lose the point that the singular focus here at the end of John 21, after the resurrection, after the first Easter, after all of this, is follow me says Jesus. Our preoccupation with others might come out of our insecurity or pride, might come out of our jealousy or just our innate desire to comparison, to know how well we're doing by comparing ourselves to someone else. And the core that Jesus is offering to Peter here is, don't worry about all that. You just follow me. But our comparison can also come from a place of altruism and love and care. And sometimes our, our longing for, for what God will do with us or someone else 
Sure, sometimes it is that, that we want to make sure that we're doing a good job and, and we want some people to know that. But also, there's a different way in which I hear that echo in my soul of what is that to you of what I do with them? You must follow me. And that can come from a place of love and care. A few weeks ago, we had a, just a series of just hard things happening in the congregation. Most of them were quiet behind the scenes, but, but hard news. And a, a friend of mine, um, who I hadn't seen in some time, was in town. And so we had opportunity to get together one morning. And it was just exactly what my soul needed after, after just maybe having a hard week, after wrestling with some things, to be able to get together with a friend, catch up on life. And then in the course of our conversation, he shared with me some difficult news. News of a diagnosis that he had recently received. One that eventually will take his life. When I come to die, give me Jesus. And along the way, it will rob him of his dignity, of memories and recognition. And all of this was shared. And the timing just couldn't have been worse. It cut me to my core. Because I don't think I'm at the age where I should be losing friends just yet. And so we finished our conversation. We caught up on life. And it was good to be together. And we cherish that meeting that much more. Because we don't know how many we'll have. Or how long he will be well. But then when I got to my car, I wept bitterly. And the first thing I said out loud was, God, I need him. God, I need him. And I could hear that echo in my soul. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I can only describe it as an echo in my soul saying, you need me. God, I need him. You need me, Stephen. And he needs me. And in fact, you both need me more than you need each other. And as much as you love each other, I love you both more than you even know how to love each other. And if I keep him alive and in perfect health for the rest of your life, what is that to you? You must follow me. Or if he dies tomorrow, or if you never see him again, what is that to you? You must follow me. Those words are an encouragement and also a deep challenge. To know that it might be from our pride, it might be from our fear of losing those we love, that in both cases, what Jesus says makes sense. What is all of that to you? You must follow me. We need those people in our lives whom God speaks to us through them. 
We undoubtedly need them and we love them. But we most of all need the God who speaks through them. We most of all need the Holy Spirit that dwells in their hearts and our hearts that speaks truth to us. For Peter and John, you need each other. You're playing for the same team. But both of you need me the most. So follow me. So friends, as we go into this week, whether we're feeling maybe a little bit jealous or maybe we're feeling a little bit scared about what's going to happen next, in both cases, hear that echo in your soul of Jesus saying, you need me. You must follow me. So set aside the comparisons and competition, the pride and pretense, the jealousy and judgment, the fear and the failures. Follow me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. Let's pray.